Welcome to the King's Table, a podcast out of King's Hill Church in Boston where we seek to elevate the Bible over opinion, answering the questions you have. I'm your host, Jonathan Mosley. On this episode, we have Kevin Henderson, our pastoral associate, talking to us about total depravity. What is the natural condition of our will, our mind, and our heart before God's Spirit works in us? And why does that matter? Now, as you listen to this episode, let theology lead to doxology. In other words, let your growth in knowledge, in this case, about yourself, lead to growth in worship about who God is. Because the more we can understand who we are, apart from God's intervening grace, the sweeter His mercy and His love towards us become as we see all He overcame to make us His in Christ. Enjoy. Today we're discussing the topic of total depravity. You know, the word depravity isn't one that I feel we use in a lot of everyday discussion, but it simply means moral corruption or wickedness. So when we're talking about the doctrine of total depravity, we're looking at what the scripture says about humanity. Now the issue that we're exploring about our humanity specifically is whether we are by nature good with some defects or if we are morally corrupt. If we are able to do any good, it begins to be a matter of perspective. And so in our time, I want us to examine what the Bible means by total depravity, give us a couple of things that it does not mean, and why it matters to us. So first, what is it? Total depravity refers to a man's natural condition apart from God's grace. Romans 14.23 puts it this way. It says, For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So essentially, anything we might define as good if not done for the glory of God in a response to him in faith, is corrupt and sinful. The emphasis here is on our condition before God, not on how we interact with one another. So Romans 3, verses 9 and 10 put it this way. They say, For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Paul here makes it clear that all are under sin that we all face separation from God. So I want us to explore just a few ways that the Bible describes us, um, and so we can get a more full picture of, uh, about our corruption. And so here's how the Bible describes us. It says that we have minds that are corrupted. This is Titus 1, verse 15. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their conscience are defiled. Scripture also says that our minds are hostile to God. This is Romans 8, verses 7 and 8. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You know, with just these first two, we can see that we have minds that are not functioning correctly. Sometimes I hear arguments that we're still able to choose God if we desire. But with minds that are so corrupted and hostile against God, they won't even be functioning well enough for us to be able to come back to God. We can't choose God as we don't desire Him. You simply don't choose what you don't desire. And so in this sense, the corruption or depravity is total in that our minds are incapable of choosing God. But another way that we're described in Scripture is dead. This is Ephesians 2 verses 1 and 2. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. 
Scripture also describes us as having hearts of stone. Just a little bit later in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, says they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of hearts. Ezekiel 36, 26 describes us in much the same way that God would have to first remove our heart of stone before giving us a heart of flesh. The Bible also describes us as blind. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. It says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. Our total depravity keeps us from ultimately seeing the glory of God. Jesus himself describes that we are slaves to sin, uh, this is in John 8, verse 34. It says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. You know, so earlier I said that total depravity refers to our natural condition apart from God's grace. Uh, the theologian and, and pastor R.C. Sproul, he refers, he prefers to use the term radical corruption instead of total depravity. And so far, we're seeing that this corruption affects our minds, it affects our hearts, it affects our ability to perceive God, and it leads us to being trapped in sin. So the question starts becoming, how did we get there? In Psalm 51, verse 5, David cries out, he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin did my mother conceive me. Now, David isn't referring to the manner of conception that led to his birth, but he's referring to his condition before God since conception. He means that by nature, he is a sinner. And so this is an important distinction as it helps us to understand which kind of comes first in regards to sin. It's kind of our own uh, chicken and the egg problem of which one came first. Is it that because we sin, we became a sinner? Or is it that because you are a sinner that you sin? Passages like Psalm 51, as well as most every other that we've read today, point to the fact that it was first that we were a sinner. So we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. And so in concluding what I think would be helpful descriptions and a definition to total depravity, I want to provide a definition that was released by John Piper, as well as the other elders at his church, Bethlehem Baptist uh, back in uh, 1998. This is what they say. They say, Total depravity means that our rebellion against God is total. Everything we do in this rebellion is sin. Our inability to submit to God or reform ourselves is total, and we are therefore totally deserving of eternal punishment. So this kind of brings us to what is total depravity not? What is total depravity not? You might be saying, you know, I know a lot of really good people. How, how can we say that they're totally depraved? And so the doctrine of total depravity does not mean that we can, or it, to, the doctrine of total depravity does mean that we can do, still do some good apart from God. Remember that the emphasis here is on our relationship with God and not to one another. So Paul writes in Romans 2, verses 14 to 16, he says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, 
while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on the day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Paul is writing that those who were never given God's law, they may still follow it. In effect, even though that they don't desire to glorify God with their actions, they may, do, they may still do things that resemble the good that God commands that believers do in Christ. Now, he doesn't argue that everyone is as wicked as they could be. J.I. Packer writes that this, is not, um, that this is not total in degree, but in extent. So our, our total depravity is not total in, the, in the, the degree of how depraved that we act all the time, but to the extent of what it causes. So here are the words of James, uh, in James chapter 2, verse 10. For whoever keeps the, the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. We all experience legal guilt from just one sin. So while everyone is not as evil or as depraved as they could be, all are still equally guilty before God. So I also want to remind us of Romans chapter 14, verse 23 that I read earlier, that even good that doesn't come from a glad submission to God is sin. But I also want to remind us that total depravity doesn't mean that we're worthless. God created us in his own image, and when he did, he said that his creation was very good. So you were fearfully and you were wonderfully made. Even though we're, we are in sin, God values us so much that he sent his only son Jesus to die on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. And so every life is precious and valuable. Remember, total depravity is speaking to our natural condition apart from God's grace. This doctrine reminds us that our coming to God is solely a work of His grace in our life. So this leads us naturally to ask, so why does this doctrine matter? And so I didn't discuss it today in order to give us a pessimistic view of humanity. Instead, we're seeking to gain a biblical perspective. How does the Bible influence and help us to understand who we are? So back to our original question, are we good with some defects or are we morally corrupt? The Bible here is clearly teaching that apart from God, we are morally corrupt or that we are totally depraved. So this should lead us not to relying on our own goodness for salvation, but if you hold to the idea that if you're just good enough or that if you do enough good in this life that you will receive salvation or that you will get to go to heaven the Bible is teaching this not to be the case at all. Remember our words in Romans 14, 23, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Any good you do will not help to restore your relationship to God. So I think Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 are a really good place for us to land today. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast. Through understanding total depravity, we learn biblically who we are as people apart from God. We see that the only right response to His grace is faith in Him and worship of Him. I hope that you leave today better seeing God's goodness and you're more sensitive to the Spirit's work in your life, the Spirit's work that's producing a life of faith and not a life that is focused on your own works. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed today's discussion on total depravity. Remember this, we can only properly respond to God once we have a proper view of ourselves. If we think that we're lovely and worthy, then God's love becomes something we expect or think we deserve. But as we learn more about just how deep our depravity goes, the more we can be amazed at God's kindness towards us. Glad you could join us at the King's Table. If you'd like more information or resources from King's Hill Church, you can visit us online at www.kingshillchurch.com.